Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to 32 Fans in 32 Days. As usual, I am Alexander Chester, and with me today, a uh, mournful Akiva Wieninger. Akiva, yeah. tell us, how are you feeling? Um, I don't really want to talk about the Mets. Yesterday was a terrible day for me all around. Um, you know, the Mets lost the World Series. The Jets were exposed as like a fraud and got annihilated and not that this is important but i did lose all five of my i'm in five fantasy leagues and i went over five uh and i don't think any of them were single digits even have you ever gone zero and five in a week before well i've never had five teams so of course not no i usually have two max three so that's not like such a big deal to go in three um but yeah five five is a big deal I'm reading right now as recording that Keenan Allen uh, has an injury to his kidney. Yeah, so. I have him on almost every team. Yeah, well, so do I. But the problem is that I have Dez, and I've been surviving all season because of Keenan, and now he's out. And But Dez is back, so at least I'll have somebody. Right, all right have, but, uh, have Keenan let, all over. Um, listen, the, 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 the crowd is demanding that we start talking with, about the Mets. So, yeah, so I, I have just, very I, little to say about the Mets. Let me tell you. The, the Royals are better. I, You know, no matter what the Mets lead, you felt that the Royals were going to come back. You know, the, the, the I mean, I, I would say the Royals got every single break in the series, much like the Mets got literally every break against the Cubs. You know, every call that was borderline, basically every pitch that was borderline, the whole series went the Mets way against the Cubs. They did not get a single bounce. And literally, I mean, you know, the well, ball, there was game one. There was the error uh, at first base, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, errors happen like the bounce of the ball. You know, like it seemed like every time not and Murphy's awful defensively, but like he got eaten up like five times. And then there was like four different times where like Zobrist had no play and like the ball magically bounces to him. So there's little things like that, like Familia blew three saves, throwing basically one bad pitch the whole time. And it was a quick pitch. It wasn't even like a real, you know, his real like a game stuff to um, Gordon, you know, his other two blown saves. He didn't give up a hit yesterday. And he gave up uh, two hits. One of them was like a soft single uh, in his second blown save. So, you know, it's the Mets didn't hit. Cespedes didn't show up. Murphy obviously didn't show up. Was was a net negative uh, like he is uh, a lot of times during the regular season. Let me let's start with this. Not hindsight at the time. Did you want Harvey to come out for the ninth? Uh, No. 
but I wasn't going crazy about it. Like, I understand that I, there's no way Familia gives up two runs starting the inning. There's no way. Even though he had blown two saves already in the World I Series. mean, he gave up one run, again, on, like, sort of a slop, one sloppy pitch. Uh, you know, he's been unhittable for, again, he... You know, he, he went for months. Did he have his best stuff? No, he was striking out far less batters, even when he was mowing down the Dodgers and the Cubs, you know, two full innings at a time. He, there's no way he gives up two runs if he comes in. I mean, listen, how often during the entire season do closers come in in a one-run game with a runner in scoring position already and no outs in the ninth? Probably only happened a couple times the whole year in baseball. So, like, uh, you know, that's a really so tough So I'm surprised spot. because pretty much everybody wanted Harvey at the time. Going no, I, um, I, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. I didn't yeah. think Harvey would come out just because all we heard uh, in August and September, like I told Mets fans that I didn't think Harvey was going to throw one pitch in the playoffs, that he was posturing and that he'd have some like minor injury or something or Boris would go crazy. So like this whole thing was incredibly impressive on Harvey's part, just that he, you know, said, I, I don't, you know, care what my management yeah, is saying. They, they said it's the most innings, 212 innings, the most anyone's ever pitched the year after Tommy. Sure. Um, so it, it doesn't, you know, and then I don't, like he walks Harvey. It's not like Harvey looked awful in that first batter. So I understand why you give him a second batter. And obviously you have to pull him after that. It, you know, it was the worst of all worlds. Again, like every bad situation the Mets could be in, they found themselves in. But, it, you know, they, they faced like 20 innings of middle relief during the series and they barely got a hit. The Royals are better, right? The Royals are better team. Yeah. So what are you well, going to do? First of all, the, you, Mets, you the Mets could have won. Yes. Could they have won this series, you know, two times out of 10 or three times out of 10? Sure. But, yeah, they were winning in every single game. Of so, course. Yeah. But, you know, does a team that was the worst hitting team in baseball for the first two thirds of the season that has literally no middle relief to the point where they have starters who have never relieved before, you know, having to get key outs, uh, you know, a abhorrently bad fielding team outside of a couple outfielders and, uh, you know, the the slowest team in the majors like that's It's not really a recipe. <coughs> it's not really a recipe for a team. Excuse me. For a champion. Akiva, Akiva, don't don't cry. You still made it. No, I have something in my throat. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm I'm really not mad at all. Honestly, I have more anger about the Jets. I'll tell you one interesting thing about being a Spurs fan is that, like, I might think I know what the right thing is. And, like, once in a while, I could question a minor thing that Pop does. Like, I did say uh, in game six against the Heat, the series they lost, that before it happened, that I would go, you know, Duncan was really throwing up bad shots in that game. And like, I would have actually, they hadn't called a play for Kawhi Leonard his whole career at that point. I would have thrown the ball into Kawhi and just tried to get him to dunk on Bosch. And I think they for sure would have scored on that play. So like the very rarely I can, but the point is like, I know that I know that I don't know better than pop overall, even if I Correct. might. Yeah. And I second, know, sec- I don't know better than of all time. Correct. I don't know better than the Sandy JP Ricciardi. Uh, and you know, the whole, and the whole, uh, team, I don't know better than those guys. Uh, you know, I, I might have opinions, but I don't know. Like, we're in good hands. But I question whether frequently, and I have this with the NFL a lot, like, are we in good hands? Like, Todd Bowles has already shown he has no idea what, uh, you know, that the NFL is played like as a timed sport with a clock. Uh, Geno Smith yesterday had multiple occasions where – he someone almost got out of bounds or got out of bounds, but there wasn't like enough time where the clock automatically stops. And they, he assumed that the clock had stopped and then he just huddled and then like hung out for a half a minute 
and they lost 30, you know, 30 seconds. Two different times this happened where he's just prancing around having no idea the clock's running down. It's crazy. So I, I there's just it, it's it's a little frightening to me. Like Jeremy Curley, it took seven injuries for him to play, even though he's a thousand times better than any of the other backup receivers. Like little things are starting to bother me. And they have four guys who are basically viewed as like tier one players by you know any sort of stat nerd and by pro football focus and they're get, on on the defensive line four guys on the defensive line you know they have like six sacks basically the whole season it's ridiculous and they and they got gashed against the run yesterday they got gashed right, against let, the run let's, let's call, well, hold on but we'll get to the jets can we come back to the no let's second. get to the jets right now <laughs> <laughs> listen we got to talk about the Mets. i just i just need to say this i feel bad for collins no matter what happens there he gets blamed because if they bring in familia and he blows the save oh, of course yeah, so I, I don't think he did the wrong thing, um, and and also you know as as you said, if you going into the season, your goal for the Mets was probably that they'd be five hundred, right? That they take a step towards Kemp, Kemp, a little bit, a little more than that, but yeah, eighty four, right. eighty five wins, sure. Yeah, you were you were fifty two and fifty one. Uh, you know, at that point in the season, there was the disastrous, you know, the the floor is crying, the Carlos Gomez non trade. At that point in the season, if I had told you anything that was going to transpire, you would have been over the moon. So of course, yeah, was, I would have signed was, up yeah. for a competitive World Series, oh, sure. So for sure, so it was. I think you would have signed up for even making the wild card game, right? Yeah, or, no, no uh, question. Yeah. Well, I mean, everyone, the wild card was going to go obviously to the Central, but to making the playoffs, no level. question. Um, yeah, so it was a successful season. Um, you know, now that doesn't mean that you know you have next season because obviously we never know what happens. But I you mean, young pitchers, of, especially yeah. extremely overextended young pitchers, like this is there's a very decent chance. And again, they have one more of these guys coming, you know, well, look, back look, look what the A's did a decade ago. Sure. Right? I mean, they have they, there's a there's a probably 50 percent chance that we're never going to have all four of these guys healthy and throwing normally at the same time. And even if they stay healthy, like look at Tim Lincecum, you know, he was great for a few years and he's like basically out of baseball and he's not even so old. So these guys sometimes the and, and you know, Syndergaard has some of the same, you know, scares, uh, some of the same sort of issues that scare uh, scouts as as Linscombe. So, uh, hold on. You you brought up uh, Syndergaard. We got to talk about him for a second. Look, I'm a I'm a Minnesotan. I'm a Vikings fan. I'm I'm a fake Swede. Uh, you know, so I I like Syndergaard. But 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 what he did at the start of Game Three was absolutely inexcusable. And I, I have to confess, I said before the World Series that I was rooting for the Mets, but I turned really hard against them uh, until Game Four. I was I was rooting for them. Uh, you know, a lot last night, and unfortunately, they lost. Or game five, excuse me. But I really turned against the Mets in game three and and game four even more so. And you know, I, I need I need to go on a little rant here. Uh, we won't mention his name, but but a good friend of ours, a good friend of mine, a former roommate of mine, who's a diehard Mets fan, you know, and a very public diehard Mets fan, especially this season, he became quite well known for his Mets fandom. I think that it was partly because of him that I became a Mets fan this year. I mean, you know, or that I was rooting for the Mets because I enjoyed sort of, you know, watching his various activities. And it was enjoyable to see him and my other friends who are Mets fans get excited. Um, but I thought, you know, and, and then and then I really got sort of annoyed with the Mets fans against the Dodgers when you guys went overboard. Not you in particular, but Mets fandom as a whole. When you went overboard against Chase Utley on what was a play was not a violation. Oh, of the I don't want to talk baseball. about Chase Utley anymore. Yeah. Come on. But I'm just saying, but it was not a violation of the rules as baseball is currently enforced. He did not get a penalty on the field at the time. They reviewed it. There was no penalty. Then after the fact, because the injury, they ended up suspending him for two games, which was ridiculous. Um, Chase Utley was doing a baseball play, was trying to prevent a double play and keep the inning alive. And possibly you could argue that he wasn't being safe and he was endangering another player, but ultimately he was doing a baseball play. 
Syndergaard was trying to injure somebody for no reason other than to injure them. He threw a 98 mile per hour fastball at a guy's head for no purpose. It wasn't, it had no basis. Yeah, I mean, I'm whatsoever. not defending Syndergaard. It was, but what I'm saying is, where were the Mets fans who were going nuts against Utley? Like, where is well, the but I don't, but, but people don't think he tried to hit him because the pitch was so high. But there was no purpose for it. The only possible consequence, like Utley wasn't trying to injure um, the shortstop either there. The, the trying- commissioner of baseball said that it was good baseball. The, the Syndergaard pitch. Well, that's a big problem. You know, sort of the progressive modern take of people. Well, like listen, people sometimes who, New York controls the media. It's like yeah, the well, old well, well, hold on. So sort of the, the modern, you know, the, the people of our generation who are baseball fans who are sort of on the progressive right side of things. You know, we don't care about bat flipping and we think people who are annoyed about Batista's bat flip are stupid. We don't care about celebrations. But what we do care about is injuries. We care about concussions in football. And we always say that that's why we don't like takeout slides. And that's why we don't like throwing at guys' heads. And a thousand times, people who you and I are big fans of on Twitter and, you know, Deadspin, et cetera, point out the hypocrisy of the quote-unquote old schoolers who support takeout slides and support throwing at people's heads. You know, the thro- throwing at someone's head, that's the right way to play. But bat flips, that's the wrong way to play. Right, so know. everybody everybody of our, you know, uh, crowd agrees that throwing at a guy's head is an inexcusable, disgraceful thing to do. And Mets fans were totally silent about that. Um, and I thought that was very hypocritical. Um, I was all, I Nobody was calls out their own player in the middle of the World Series. Like, what do you want from Mets fans? But, okay, well, again, speaking about our one friend in particular, I was very disappointed in him because he's also, as you know, you know, a big uh, campaigner on gay rights issues. And, and, all, and, like, he was bashing some Royals coach on Twitter or during the World Series because the coach made some comment about wearing a skirt. And, and, you know, this friend of ours was saying that that's a, uh, you know, a, you know, a misogynistic thing to say. And I agree with him that it was, and it's mm-hmm. not an important thing to say. But meanwhile, your who second baseman. Br- Rusty Cunt? <laughs> yeah, I don't know who it was. But meanwhile, your second baseman. That's his baseman, name, right? The first base. The first yeah, yeah. Base. His name is Rusty Cunt. Yeah, we don't have to beat that up. That's his name. I don't know if that, I don't know if it's him who said it, but somebody said something about putting a skirt on or something. I don't know. But meanwhile, your second baseman is an out and out homophobe. Uh, he had a disastrous World Series. I'm thinking he got like two hits, maybe. And then he obviously that was had. was God punishing him. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, and, and again, you're saying, well, you don't call out your own players. I mean, I disagree. I, I, I say There was day. an article on ESPNW from a, a gay woman who uh, is a big Mets fan who said, like, she's rooting for him, even though, you know. Well, you can root for him on the field, but acknowledge he's an asshole. You know, I sure. actually, you know, that's what I do with Peterson, frankly. Sure. Uh, with Tory oh, yeah, Hunter. A, Daniel Murphy's with, a better person than Adrian Peterson. Oh, for sure he is. But Tory Hunter, who's similar to Murphy in his views on gay issues, I openly rooted against him all season. Um, I, and, you know, I'm not going to say I'd root against my own player in the World Series, but have some acknowledgement there. And when I spoke to our friend about it, and I called him out on Twitter about Murphy's views, he defended him and said, well, it's unfortunate, but that's what he was taught growing up as a religious Christian which is a bullshit defense. Which and also Murphy said at once, realized like he should keep the opinions to himself. And I don't think went on about it. Like you know, no, no, I'm not, I'm his opinions, the and the, it's I'm not, not like he's Murphy. going to rallies and picketing things. No, I know. He I just know, has know, a different but, opinion and he keeps it to himself. I think. Well, well, I'm just saying that I just thought that our, our friend, I thought that our friend was a little hypocritical in his condemnation of things when they were not on the Mets. And, and you know, uh, my favorite Mets fan is Avsenensky because he's a very honest and open guy. Here's another example. Matt Harvey, and I tend to do this. I tend to root for guys when their fans turn on them. So I became a big A-Rod fan basically once he came to the Yankees. And- oh, I love I, A-Rod's my favorite player in baseball. No yeah. question. So, so Matt Harvey, I became a big fan of this season because the Mets fans all turned on him. And as I said, Avsenensky is my favorite Mets fan because – He's very consistent in in his views on things, and he never really turned against Harvey, or he never turned to him at all. Um, 
and so you know he Av is the kind of Mets fan I like because he will acknowledge uh, you know their faults and not and not be sort of a well they have a, many a, faults but let's let's talk football because yeah. I got a big football okay today. all right fine so yeah so let's move on to football um, you know and what we're gonna do this week you had the idea last week we've each ranked the uh, thirty two coaches in the NFL from one to thirty two and we are going to uh, you know our cumulative rankings uh, from from thirty two to one. And, and, and I actually, I did it into seven tiers so we can discuss our tiers, although they don't overlap perfectly because uh, when we average them together, uh, but in, in 32nd, cumulatively, um, we have 32nd, we have Jim Tomasula of the 49ers. And we should also say, I think after every guy, and once we get down to the top 10, it won't be necessary, but we should say after guy, every guy, if we would fire them at the end of the season. Well, so uh, that's why I want to talk about my tiers because tier seven is called fire immediately. Yeah. So I have I have six guys who should be fired immediately. Uh, Jim Tomasula clearly one of them. Now I don't think it's fair to fire a guy halfway into his first season. No, no, no you don't have to fire them yeah. in the middle of the season. There's no we're saying he, he, he really well, 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 the season. What we're just saying is that he should not have been hired. Essentially, uh, yeah, and, a, but and this is not a Monday morning quarterback because everyone said that uh, that minute. Yeah, yeah, he was in over his head. Um, I mean, he's making and, fifty dollars a game. Yeah. <laughs> so let, and let's talk for a second. And about by the way, they're talking about firing very seriously right now. So he, there's a good chance he'll be out after one season. Yeah. Well, so this week he uh, this week he's at home against Atlanta, um, and, and we'll talk about we'll talk about this game more, I guess, when when we get to Atlanta's coach. But um, I have San Francisco. I, I had them, you know, and in, the, in my power rankings, I had them last last week, and you disagreed with that. And I said, well, it's going to be very hard for them to climb out of last because they're going to lose badly to St. Louis. But they did climb out of last because I. I uh, put Detroit at last because they lost forty five. Oh, and Tennessee, and then Tennessee probably has to go below them also after that performance. Yeah. So well, okay. So let's get to Tennessee next. Our, our next coach and our power rankings is Ken Wisenhunt. Uh, you know, he went to the Super Bowl once with Arizona. Other than that, he's been a disaster. Right. He went coach. to the Super Bowl with a guy who basically carried them on his back a, with not a great team. Uh, and his record since the Super Bowl are five and eleven, eight and eight, five and eleven, two and fourteen, one and five. Yeah, so he's That's won like, three of his last 30 games or something like something that. Something like that. I mean, so bad. And yes, you can't win uh, Super Bowls or even playoff games with the quarterbacks he's been saddled with. But a really he's good choosing really the quarterbacks. Good, yeah. Right. A really good coach is, ne- is never going to in 14. You know, you could squeeze. Look at Jeff Fisher. Like, he's going to be higher up in this list. He has a lot. He's had a lot of bad quarterbacks. But a solid coach can squeeze a seven and nine team, you know, record out of almost any team. Okay, yeah. So Wisenhunt, they're not going to fire in the middle of the season, but, you know, he should not be. Uh, uh, yeah, he he's not. toast unless they really win a bunch more games. I can't imagine, you know, if they win four or five games, I can't imagine. Uh, I mean, we discussed this a little last week. Like, if he gets along with Mariota, do you give him another year to develop with Mariota? But I would say no right now. Go for a QB guru after the season, whoever that is. Yeah. All right. So Who's now, the guy yeah. is the, now because we're firing all these coaches in in pretend world. <laughs> Who are you going after in College of the Pros? Who Who is the well, guy? Well, let me just – let me emphasize this pretend world. In real life, I don't advocate anybody losing their job. You know, now no, I'm the, an adult with my own job. I see these things differently. You know, I'm just saying objectively, do I think these guys have produced on the field to merit those jobs? Probably not. But, you know, I'm not actually saying I would want anybody fired. I just want that for the record. No, I, you want these – like this is a privilege. It's not a right like, – Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I don't want them asked, to be fired asked, from like – You uh, just asked who would I want. I don't know. I don't know enough about football like assistant coaches. Then, then let say, me find the new podcast host if you don't know enough about football here. <laughs> All right. So you tell me who's a good assistant coach who deserves a job as a head coach. I mean I really would have made like a whole chart had I thought of my question before. But uh, I'll tell you the college guys because I follow college football. Um, yeah. For sure, David Shaw, the guy who took over for Jim Harbaugh at – um, Stanford. At Stanford, yeah, um, for sure, every team should should be calling him up. And there's already talk about the Niners. Like, 
it, the Niners are too cheap, I think. But that's the, that's an obvious. Like every team that fires a coach should be looking at him. Yeah, but Stanford plays such conservative football. Is that you know? And and we need our super fan Robbie uh, to come on and analyze college football. But can, can he can he be a coach in the modern NFL? Yeah, I mean Jim Tomzula can be a coach. He can be a coach. Like, well, but uh, we're saying he shouldn't be. So. No, no, no. He um. So I I would definitely have him. The, I would not go after any of the elite guys because they'll bounce back in two years. Like you don't go after the Urban Meyer, Nick Saban types because they'll never stay with one NFL job. Um. So then after that, uh, I I I would probably hire Kevin Sumlin. I think that's the, that's a guy right now. If you go after like a very progressive offensive coach, he's the head coach of uh, Texas A and M. He was like the offensive coordinator for Oklahoma. Then he went to Houston, which was like a dead end job. And by the you know by the end they were they were they were scoring really like sixty good. points a game, yeah. And uh, and now he's been excellent as the coach of Texas A and M. Uh, you know he was the he's the mastermind of uh, of all their great offenses the last couple of years, uh, including being the brains behind Manziel. Uh, which would be interesting if um, Patton gets fired, which I don't think he will. I think Patton probably gets a third year. But uh, yeah, he, he's at you know. And by the way, both these guys um, are African Americans, and like, should uh, what's it called? Like, you know, they're they're going to be getting uh, interviews from everybody anyway because the Rooney Rule. But these are the top two candidates anyway, and should be hired. All right. Well, so for next week, uh, Robbie, super fan, uh, please, because R- Robbie knows more about college football than just about anybody I know. So, Robbie, please, uh, you know, let us know which college head coaches you think uh, should be coaches in the NFL right now. Uh, speaking about a coach who probably should not have his job, should be fired immediately. And in fact, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen the manifest for the flight back from London. So we don't know if Jim Caldwell actually made it back or if they, uh, you know, if the Lions took a page out of the uh, Dolphins playbook and uh, left them in London. Actually, you know what? We need a, t- we need a guest here to talk about uh, Jim Caldwell and the Lions. So let's bring on uh, Jordan Acker, who was our guest uh, in the preseason, our Lions fan. And let's ask him what he thinks about that 45-10 beatdown at his head coach. All right, Akiva. So with us now is Jordan Acker, our Lions guest in the preseason. And, uh, you know, Jordan's been asking to come on for the last couple of weeks to uh, bash his terrible team. But, um, you know, if they were deserving of a bashing previously after losing 45 to 10 yesterday, I think they are extra deserving. So, uh, Jordan, how are you doing today? I am doing great. How are you? Well, I'm excellent. Unfortunately, uh, your Wolverines uh, beat the Gophers and took the brown jug back on Saturday. Yes, uh, Because we did. of some, some horrendous coaching uh, by the Gophers interim coach uh, at the end of the game and also at the end of the first half. Uh, speaking of horrendous <laughs> coaching, though, we have Jim Caldwell ranked as the 30th coach in the NFL. How do you feel about that? Uh, it is so it is so high. I, I can't even begin to describe how bad he is. And I talked about this a little bit in our in our Lions season preview. But if you want to go back and look at his record, okay. Now this is the most incredible part about uh, about Jim Caldwell. So Jim Caldwell, uh, as most people know is famous for coaching Peyton Manning. Remember, that was his big year. Um, But Jim Caldwell had quite a record before that. Now, people don't remember this, but Jim Caldwell, before he became the head football coach of my Detroit Lions, was actually on the verge of being fired as the Ravens' offensive coordinator. And instead of getting fired, he got a promotion. To a head coaching job. Now, I can't tell you how just ridiculous and dumb that is. But I want to go back to something because I think that Jim Caldwell, attacking Jim Caldwell, and you've seen every Detroit paper, everyone saying, 
oh, well, you know, they, they should fire Jim Caldwell. He's the problem. Yes, he's not the problem. It's good, this problem, and I'm going to break this down for you, it starts with Roger Goodell. So every time the ginger hammer refers to the Ford family as excellent owners or great owners, he is spitting in the face of every Lions fan across this great country. This is a reality. The Fords bought the team November 22nd of 1963, the same day that John F. Kennedy was assassinated. So we're going to just wait. Hold on. Hold on. So are you saying the Fords are part of the conspiracy? I think they they have to be with the Cubans and LBJ. Um, So just breaking this down for you. Since that time, they have had one of the top in terms of talent, probably the number one running back in the, in the, of the past 60 years. And in terms of talent, at least a top tier wide receiver in Calvin Johnson. Okay. Despite that fact, they have won one playoff game. One. The Carolina Panthers have existed since 1996 and have won more playoff games. The ownership of this team was headed for a long time by Bill Ford Sr., who is now deceased. And I'm not going to pile on the grave of a dead man. But next time you hear someone say, Bill Ford was a model owner, Bill Ford was not a model owner. Bill Ford was a failure. Bill Ford failed to win games. He kept his buddies on the payroll for years and years and years. Bill Ford did nothing but lose. Bill Ford was so bad. This is how you know that you are a bad owner. Bill Ford, when he went to fire Matt Millen, Matt Millen, of course, who had the worst record in a single season in the history of the National Football League, Matt Millen decided to offer his wise counsel to Bill Ford Sr. and say, I know you're going to fire me, but you should hire these two, Martin Mayhew and Tom Lewan Jr., to run this football team. Now, I don't know about you, but in my business, if we have a sales guy who wrecks our company, he doesn't get to pick his successor on the way out. That's what happened with the Detroit Lions. This team is a disaster. They are the worst run franchise in North American sports. Uh, they're worse than a franchise. No, I would say they're not. The only franchise they are not worse than was run by a team who, by an owner who would still be there if he hadn't been caught on tape using ethnic slurs. <laughs> so this is what we're talking. Well, hold about on. Here. So, but this is my question. You know, there's yeah. a precedent of, of uh, leaving your coach in London. The Dolphins did it earlier this year with Joe Philbin. I think the Raiders did it last year to Dennis Allen. So, so why is Caldwell even back in Detroit? Why didn't they just leave him in England after that embarrassment? I mean, to lose by 35 to the two and five Chiefs. Because the ownership is the worst part of this team. Tom Lewand Jr., let's start with, with Tom Lewand. So first of all, Tom Lewand, yeah, from all accounts, and I, I know people who know him, is, is a fine member of the community, except for the fact that he was caught with a DUI. Now, everybody makes mistakes, I understand, but it is very hard to consider yourself a pillar of the community when you act in that manner. Now, getting Tom Lewand has no zero, zero credentials to be the president of a football team. Zero. I'm not actually sure what he did before this. 
Martin Mayhew was the deputy general manager on an 0-16 team. They've just turned the team over from their longtime assumed successor, Bill Ford Jr., who has actually done a fairly good job managing the Ford Motor Company, but is now too busy doing that to run his his dad's football team, to a woman who is 90 years old and Bill Ford's sister. Now, I don't have a problem with a female owner, obviously. There are plenty of good owners in sports who are women. That is not the issue. The issue is is that learning a multi-billion dollar business at the age of 90 when you've had no experience and, from what I can tell, no interest until now is what's so perplexing. You mean so are, tell- are you saying that it's possible that this ownership might not fire Caldwell at the end of this year? I am saying that it is possible. As crazy as it sounds, there is the possibility that this ownership group might, might not fire him. <laughs> I mean, it, I, you forget that these are the Detroit Lions. I mean, this is what they do. Their GM had, or excuse me, Daryl Rogers, their coach, actually went to a press conference and said, what do I have to do to get fired around here? It's that bad. This, it, If the NFL had any mercy at all, they would tell the Fords to move to Los Angeles and grant Detroit an expansion team because this is the worst run team in the history of North American sports. I mean, they would have been better off folding 40 years ago and not putting their fans through this. This is the National Football League where the turnover is constant. And to be this bad for 50, 60 years is institutional incompetence. If the Fords had any caring about their community, the community that they call home here in Detroit, they would put the team up for sale tomorrow. They can the they can go make their money. They're going to make a huge amount of money on this team and they never should set foot at Ford Field again because they are the the I, I can't I cannot stress this enough. The problem is not Jim Caldwell. It's not the ownership. It's the ownership. It's Tom Lewan, the president. It's Martin Mayhew, the general manager. And it's Martha Ford and the Ford family who are so blind to what they've created here that they have decided that this little toy that they have is an is worth wrecking for the people of Detroit. The people of Detroit deserve better than what they get from the Ford family every Sunday. And for that, that's why I'm happy to tell you that I – Jordan Acker am going to be lions free the rest of this year. I'm done. I've had it. I, I don't know why anyone would pay to go to these games. I, I was talking to a friend tonight who's actually was offering me for free tickets to the Oakland game and tickets to the, the traditional Thanksgiving Day game against the the uh, against the Eagles. I told him you would have to pay me to go sit there and waste a Sunday afternoon or a Thursday night or whenever these games are played. Now it feels like we're like a week away from having action in the NFL, but you could not pay me to go to a, to a Detroit lions football game. No chance. I'm not giving a single penny to the Ford family. Never again. I'm done. <laughs> well, as a fan of a team that plays yours twice a year, I'm glad to hear that you think this is a, a longstanding issue. Um, but, uh, Jordan, thanks for joining us. And, uh, that felt uh, good. Great.
Go Lions. <laughs> All right, Jordan. Well, uh, thanks for joining us. All right. Well, thank you, Jordan, for those thoughts. Akiva, let's keep going in our uh, coach power rankings. Next, we have Gus Bradley at 29. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, typical hot defensive coordinator who gets hired. And a lot of times these guys do work. Um, but this has been a big flop. And, and Jacksonville, even though they are more competitive and more interesting than they've been in a bunch of years, certainly offensively, they, you know, they, they've shown nothing on uh, defense. And he's a defensive guy. And just as a whole, they've really haven't shown any signs of improvement, even though they're one game out in the South. Uh, you know, he won four games his first year, three games his second year. He'll probably win close to six games this year. But, you know, if if that's enough for the Jaguars, then they're basically mailing it in. Um, I, listen, if he really has the locker room and a great relationship with Bortles and they want to give it one more try, good for them. And obviously, I'm not familiar with the situation in Jacksonville, but uh, he's certainly done nothing to earn another year as coach. Yeah, and I don't think it's coincidence that the four coaches at the bottom of our list are also the four bottom coaches in my power rankings, and that the fifth coach in our bottom five is uh, the fifth worst team in my power rankings, and that's Houston and Bill O'Brien. Uh, we've spoken about O'Brien a lot because we saw him on Hard Knocks. Uh, you know, they did get a win this week because they played Tennessee, but um, you know, he he has really not uh, inspired confidence, and it's just more about how we've spoken about the fact that there hasn't been a single coach from the Belichick coaching tree that's been a success as a head coach. And it's really shocking because most, most other coaches, you know, uh, obviously Bill Walsh being the most famous one, but most other great coaches create these coaching trees and, uh, you know, Belichick, nobody has succeeded. Uh, uh, you know, beyond him. Yeah. I mean, they have, you know, he's got a bunch of those guys here. Cause I think they have Romeo on staff also as the co- as the D coordinator, uh, Bill oh, O'Brien. The, the whole, the, yeah. Bill O'Brien brought in the whole, you know, uh, Patriots. Set. Mishpucha. The, yeah. Yeah. Um, that has not worked. it hasn't worked. I, I you know, I don't know, like, again, like, I'm from a coaching standpoint, you'd like to see O'Brien with a more competent quarterback for one more year. But they're getting enough out of Hoyer. Yeah, Hoyer's that, been very good. Yeah, they're getting enough out of Hoyer, uh, you know, with and, and, and on a team with an absolute elite receiver. And they, you know, they weren't doing anything when they had Foster. But, you know, a 30-year-old running back should not make or break your season. I, I, I mean, to me, the, again, another, it's a rich owner where they certainly have a right to fire him and go after the big name. Uh, it's funny. Adam Gaze was like the really big name who didn't get hired. The, the Broncos offensive coordinator. Yeah. And like yeah. now that the Broncos offense has been so bad, I feel like he'll still probably get interviewed, but I don't like, I would be Googling who the, the, the Broncos defensive coordinator is right. Denver's uh, defense coordinator is Wade Phillips, who we know okay. is a yeah. terrible head coach, yeah, but, not a fantastic D, but, but a fantastic D coordinator. Sure. So yeah, he, he, he's stuck in that position. And by the way, as we speak, Vernon Davis just got traded to the Broncos. Oh wow. Vernon Davis, pick him up in fantasy. I'm actually making a note of that right now, which is unfortunate because some of the people in my fantasy league uh, listen to this podcast, but I'm not going to edit it out. I'm going to be uh, real and I'll let them know my thinking. But uh, we were talking about Bill O'Brien in Houston. Uh, to me, I probably – he seems like a nice guy, but I think it's th- – and he, he's clearly not on the same page with the GM if you look at the Ryan Mallett stuff. I think unless they w- – you know, if they win the division, even if it's a garbage 7-9 win, I don't have a problem giving him one more year. But to me right now, he's got to earn his uh, his third year on the job. 
And you think you think Houston could win the division still? I mean, the, who's running away with that division? All right, we'll get to the Colts. Okay, so uh, ne- next on our power rankings list, uh, we have a 27, Jay Gruden. You know, Gruden has been mostly defined by the chaos in Washington writ large and his fighting with RG3. Um, you know, so I had him in the next tier, which was tier six, which I called some redeeming qualities. Um, you know, if you, if you wanted to fire Gruden, I wouldn't have an issue with it. He's always struck me as the, uh, the weaker of the Grudens. He, he, he's, he's had a couple of years in Washington and there's so much chaos there that it's hard to pin it all on him. But ultimately I don't think that he's a coach who's going to, you know, lead you deep into the playoffs. No, there's clearly something I, I feel like as a football mind, he's above probably a bunch of people in the league, but in terms of handling the locker room, whereas a couple of the guys we've mentioned, you know, there haven't been a lot of problems coming out of Jacksonville. I feel like Bradley, uh, even though we don't follow the Jaguars day to day, has probably done a very good job there. Uh, whereas Gruden has just been a complete mess. He's atrocious with the media and he's in, you know, uh, if not the biggest media market, certainly uh, it is the other than maybe New York, the most aggressive media market. And he's just been swallowed up whole by the media in the D.C. area. You know, this it was it was I don't want to say it was a stretch for him because. You know, he he had a lot of football experience, both as a head coach in the AFL and he was an assistant for a long time. He did do three years as a coordinator for the Bengals before he got hired, but he does feel like he's a little in over his head. Uh, You know, maybe he needed to be a coordinator for a couple more years. He's still in his 40s, so he's a young coach. Um, I do think his his future is probably uh, as a coordinator for a while after this. But uh, I I just I don't see any reason to keep him. I don't they haven't shown anything with him that would, you know lead me to say, uh, you know, that he needs another season. Well, so Washington was on a bye this week, but in last week's game, they had a miraculous comeback to beat Tampa, uh, and Lovey Smith is next on our list, which is why I'm segueing that way. And that game, you know, the reason Tampa lost the game is because Lovey Smith's defense was just atrocious. I mean, he, he was playing like whatever the opposite of a prevent was like a permit defense where he just permitted, you know, Washington to run right down the field. Lovey Smith is a defensive guy. I had him in my rankings, you know, in the same category as Marvin Lewis and Jeff Fisher as a guy who's got it done before, who, you know, can, can put, put together a competent team. But if, you know, but you know, their offense has been a a bit, a big problem and their quarterback has been a big problem, uh, you know, since he's, since he's come to Tampa, although obviously now this year they have Winston who all of a sudden hasn't turned the ball over in three games. Um, but if, if, but Lovey's supposed to be a defensive guy. And so if he's not a defensive guy anymore, then it's hard to say that, that he merits keeping that job. But look, Tampa's three and four right now. And, uh, you know, they have a home game coming up against the Giants, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So, you know, Lovey might stick around next year, but, but I'm not sure, you know, look, he took the Bears to the Super Bowl once upon a time. He, he's not a terrible coach. As I said, I think he, he's definitely in the summer redeeming qualities category. But, um, you know, he's not a guy that instills a lot of confidence. It it is really interesting how many guys on this list, the back half of the list, have lost the Super Bowl. And, you know, you think like Ken Wisenhunt, Lovey Smith, Jeff Fisher, uh, Andy Reid, how many of those, and and John Fox, how many of those guys, John Fox lost two, how many of those guys um, would, you know, let's take Fox out of it because I think he's a good coach. How many of the first four guys I mentioned? Well, I would take Reed out of it because I think Reed's one of the best coaches in football, but we'll get to that. Yeah, I mean, Reed gets a bad rap just because he has like a glaring weakness, right? Like in-game management, clock, yeah. clock management. Um, but yeah, no, that's fair. And I was very hard on Reed for that just because it's something that's on my mind this week. But uh, in real, you know, where I ranked Reed, uh, clearly he's a better coach than that. But I, I do think these guys do get to stick around for a while and then they get a second job. If you lead your team to the Super Bowl, oh, and, I, and I, I didn't mention Jim Caldwell. 
Uh, so that's a fifth guy who, uh, you know, clearly should not be coaching. And nobody really respected when he brought a team to the Super Bowl even. Well, so, you know, Caldwell's an interesting guy because I think that the perception in football is very different from the perception among fans. Fans thought, you know, this was Peyton Manning's team and Caldwell was just along for the ride. Uh, and then when Peyton got injured, they were terrible. He lost his job. But then, uh, you know, he was credited pretty much single-handedly with turning, with turning around that Baltimore offense uh, the year that they won the Super Bowl. And then he got another head coaching job in Detroit. So I think that in football, Caldwell has a much better reputation, which is why I actually had him a little bit higher on the list when I first sent it to you last week. Uh, but after that 45-10 beatdown, I, I had to put him further down, um, you know, as we discussed with Jordan. So let's keep going on our list. The next guy is Mike Pettin. So Pettin is sort of an interesting character because, uh, you know, m- much like Dan Campbell, who we'll discuss next, or, you know, Mike Tice on the Vikings once upon a time, he's a guy who really only had the job because they couldn't give it to anyone else and or they were cheap or, you know, in the case of Cleveland, obviously they tried desperately and Thomas Sula is another example like that. But Pettin actually looked competent uh, and he's looked competent again this year. Cleveland is now two and six, but they've really been in all these games. Um, so, you know, Again, I don't know if Penton is a long-term solution there, but but he's done well, I think, with what he's been given, which is very little. Yeah, as I said before, you know, certainly familiar with him because he was our def- he was our defensive coordinator for four seasons. Um, I, I get, I think the jury's out on him a little. It's hard to grade him because they really have had such inept co- uh, quarterback play for most of the time he's been there. He is a defensive guy. I obviously you'd like to see more from their defense. But I, I don't think, you, you know, if you're the Browns, you need to get out of the habit of firing every coach, GM, team president after one year. So to yeah. me, it, you know, unless you have uh, and I, I don't know what the ownership situation there money wise is because their owner has been involved in some scandals recently. Like it, unless you have a guy knocking on your door who's, you know, the next Jim Harbaugh or who literally is Jim Harbaugh. I don't know why. I don't know why you're, you know, firing Patton unless they go four and twelve. Like, I don't think this is a four and twelve team. So if they go six and ten, even though that's worse than last year, I think Patton has to get a third year. Well, they've been better than their two and six record thus far. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, getting to six and ten would be tough. They'd have to go five hundred from here on out. Uh, all right. So next on our list is Dan Campbell. You know, hard to grade him. He's a guy who obviously shouldn't have the job. Only yeah, I had him at sixth initially, but then I didn't want to ruin the whole list. <laughs> yeah, uh, I had him at 27. I had him in the bottom tier in the fire immediately tier just because, again, he shouldn't have the job. They won two games against the two worst teams in the league, and then he got exposed for what he is, which is a guy who doesn't know what he's doing. He's just rah-rah. Well, how about this? You, you how about get this? Away with that at, yeah. They beat the two worst teams in the league, and then they got destroyed by the best team in the league. Can we just say we really don't know anything about him yet, other than he's not completely abominable because he killed two teams? Well, but so, but was it him who killed the team? See, this is the thing. No, fo- but I, my fo- point is, we in, don't know in, anything because well, in, in football, no coach they, they would have had the it, same results for with 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 Joe Philbin again. Well, I think. Well, here's the thing: in football, I don't think midseason you're changing, you know, game planning and strategies too much. Um, you know, so in, in baseball, you can get by with just sort of a rah-rah guy because it's really mostly about managing the, the personalities in the club. Sure. There's not I, think that much. The, I think the World Series was two rah-rah guys, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, Yost is an example of that. Obviously, you know, uh, Ron Washington was an example of that on the Rangers when they yeah, were I mean, Terry the Collins is, a, is an amazing, you know, the players love him. He's an amazing clubhouse guy. Yeah. Garden Hire was another one for the Twins who sure. was always frustrated. Yeah. Um, in football, though, it, you know, if you're going to be in charge of a team for any length of time, you really need to have, you know, strategy, though. And I don't think Campbell's shown every, any evidence of that. So we can call him incomplete for now. Uh, but he has a big game this week. Uh, Miami at Buffalo. They just lost Cameron Wake for the season, which is, you know, a big hit for them. 
But uh, this game, Miami at Buffalo, they're both three and four. Miami, as we said, zero and three in the division. They've lost to every divisional opponent, and so if they lose this one to Buffalo, they're finished because they'll be three and five, zero and four in the division, which means they won't win any tiebreakers. So I think this game, uh, Miami at Buffalo this week, uh, you know, th- this will decide Miami's season. I would agree. And, and 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 again, I was saying as a Dolphins fan, it's tough because if I was a Dolphins fan, I would not want Campbell back. And my worry would be, and Bill Barnwell wrote an article about this last week on uh, Grantland. Uh, you know, Zichron Um yeah, we should. Have, these, do you want to talk Grantland for a minute here? Sure. So it's funny because I, you know, I was a huge Bill Simmons fan, like hundredth percentile Bill Simmons fan, uh, for many, many years. In college, I printed out his entire archive of articles, uh, which at that time yeah. was a lot. I, were, I have read every word he has ever written for ESPN or Grantland. I would, I would say the same thing minus. My, I mean, not really. I'm sure you skip like. Uh, you know, skip nothing. I, I would no, skip, you I, no. When he was like writing ter- like about Madden or something like that. But no, I have read every word. Okay, he but I would probably say I, the I've, same. I've skipped his. I've skipped his wrestling podcasts because I don't care about wrestling. Okay. But other than that, no, I've that's the best. Podcasts. The wrestling podcast is the best. You, yeah, I'm, I, I'm I'm closet. You know, I clo- I'm kind of closet. I got into wrestling like in my 30s. But we're gonna have to talk about that. But we're gonna talk gonna, about that. We're yeah. I we're actually I think we should do like a Royal Rumble podcast. Uh, well, we'll bring the fades on as a guest for that one. We're, how about me, you, and the fades Royal Rumble and. Well, I want. I kind of. I, I pitched this to Rob last year, but he said it was too lowbrow for, for our hat. Yeah. Um. But if he doesn't do it, I'm going to ask him to do it. But if he because that gets like a lot of earballs. But if he doesn't do it, we'll do it on this podcast. Yeah, we don't get a lot of earballs. I mean, I don't. I not. Although we did. Okay. I meant to send you somebody. Uh, I, so we got we got a couple like fan things. I meant to send them to you. I'll send them to you after. All right, but we're, we're getting like seven steps removed from our tangent. So okay, fine. Yeah, so Grantland. Grant, oh, so Grantland, here's the thing. Yeah. So I, I, so to me, Grantland was less than the sum of its parts because while they had a lot of great writers, I didn't find, and I understand also why it doesn't work because like I never went to Grantland.com. You know, you follow Grantland and a couple of the writers on Twitter, and inevitably anything worthwhile will come across your face a few times. But, so I understand like why the business model isn't great now, but. To me, it was never as good as it could have been, part because Simmons, and I'm sure he would admit this himself, was a little burned out of writing. And he was, you know, managing a 50-person company is beyond the full-time job. Uh, You know, so writing anything is a big deal. But, uh, you know, he shouldn't have been doing anything probably beyond football picks and the, you know, the annual draft column or anything, you know, which he wasn't even doing because he was on the draft. But it's stuff like that. Um, And I do think it was a little overrated. I also think... They went so niche sometimes that it like it hit the cross section of nobody. You know what I mean? Like it, the site should have been focused at people like you and I who uh, read a lot and are obsessed with both sports and pop culture. And to me, I feel I felt like sometimes I, it's funny because Bill Bill was obsessed with the National. Are you familiar with the National? Yeah. So because I was such like an early adapter, young, crazy sports fan, I got the national every day when I was a little kid. And my dad would pay for it, I guess, to explain to our, our non-Orthodox Jewish listeners, since we don't use money on, on Saturday, my dad would go to the convenience store and pay for it uh, on Friday so I could so I could, you know, get it from the stand on Saturday. A rabbi permitting his son to get something that was no lot on Shabbos. Oh, well, he—I mean, he would actually. I, <laughs> I, I was lazy. He would actually walk to the store and get, and and the guy would hand it to him. Ah, but, so he's even more culpable. Yeah, but he, we, you know, so I would get it. Uh, 
maybe it was holidays because it may have not have come out on Saturdays. Now that <laughs> when I, I was at when I was in high school, uh, and my I, and we I'm, still have in my grandfather's basement, we still have the first edition you know, of all the, the National. Archives? No, no, no uh-huh. we have the first uh, first uh, issue of the National. And the point is, I remember thinking like, oh, this paper was written for me. And I also remember it it went south very quickly. But when I was much younger. I remember thinking, like, reading the first ESPN the magazine, which was very smart and had a lot of good writers and thing like, oh, this was written for me. But I didn't. And maybe it's because I'm older and I was probably even a couple years older than a lot of the guys writing for it. But I didn't think with Grantland, oh, this is always for me. I did, of course, read like a lot of the articles and really like them. But um, I do think of everyone who mourned its passing over the last uh, couple days had actually read the site frequently. Uh, it would still be alive. What do you think? Yeah, but you can say that about anything. I mean, like when Conan O'Brien lost his job, there was people like me who was definitely on Team Coco, even though I never watched his show. Sure, once. right, of course. And then uh, you yeah, watched, so, they never would have gotten rid of it. Yeah, that, that's how Twitter and the internet works. Uh, just a quick tangent. When I was in high school, I used to spend a lot of uh, time on the weekends at the house of Joshua Berliner, our Giants guest earlier this season. Mm. And One Joshua of the great was, Americans. He is, he is, and his father also a great American, but a, a very, very, very strict individual. And among his stringencies is he prohibited his son from reading the newspaper on Saturday because of the fact that it had been created on the Sabbath day. Which is crazy because, I mean, I don't know his dad, but I'm guessing based on what I know of him and I've met his brother, like, that they're not ultra-Orthodox. No. Uh, and, you know, and they're still getting the New York Times delivered, which, uh, you know, some in the ultra-Orthodox sure. community would consider a, a blasphemous paper. But um, so what we would do is we would run home from synagogue – or early on Saturday, uh, Saturday uh, morning, we'd run home early so that we could quickly read the newspaper to check the the sports scores from the night before, and then to fold it up, put it back in the bag and make it look untouched by the time his father got home. Um, but you know, the, but the that's latter what you part- do with your neighbors, right? You see someone's time when you walk yeah. in the synagogue in the morning. Oh. Well, my neighbor across the hall, yeah, I uh, frequently read their newspapers on Saturday morning. And oh, yeah. And, and we I had like a neighbor who was like, 90 and I don't, I don't think it was even home on the weekend so i would i would sort of just like look at her sports section i guess she would never notice if her sports section was missing but i wasn't going to steal it but i would read it yeah well um and better call saul you know he tries to take the paper and even leave five bucks and it backfires on him so you got to be careful when you do that yeah. uh you know so i i read i read grantland every day you know it, it was, did you go I, to grantland.com I went to Grantland.com probably about 10 times a day. The, the way that I use the internet is a little bit anachronistic. I don't use RSS feeds or anything. I, I don't have, even know how RSS feeds work, to be honest. Uh, okay. I use so, I use tabs, but then I, I mostly filter my news through t- by following the right people on Twitter. Yeah, so I have about 20 websites that I, that I have bookmarked, and I yeah. visit all 20 of them, I mean, like almost every couple hours, unless, you know, I'm busy with work okay. or whatever. Maybe a, a just, slower episode, like this is going to go long, but a slower episode, you could give me your top 20. In order, yeah. you'll rank your top so, twenty websites. Yeah, so 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 I so I open Grantland repeatedly throughout the day, and every single thing that's posted to it, I see. I don't necessarily click on it, but I see every single blog post. I'm aware of at least the title of it, uh, and, then, and then I sure. decide. But whether do, or not do you I'm agree with my assessment? Because I kind yeah. of did too. Well, well, the, well, the problem is it was a mix of two things. You know, Bill Simmons. You know, I, I sort of feel like about him probably the way you do, probably the way like the Deadspin folks do, in that I'm a big fan of his, but I'm also a big fan of criticizing him. You know, I'm I'm very aware of his. But oh, but I insect. but I you you retweeted or refacebooked. I don't remember like this laughable idea on Deadspin that he somehow brought down the company. Um, oh no be- no no no! He he absolutely tried to bring Grantland down. Oh no! I, he definitely did not. He definitely. Of course did he did because because he hates ESPN. There's no question. And that that was not by Deadspin. That was ES, that was Grantland. Those were Bill Simmons employees saying that. Oh no! It was one bitter employee. I could even. I don't want to get sued, but I could even tell you off air. Just from reading everything about Grantland's few days, ninety nine percent who it was. 
It was the okay. one bitter employee, the only one who didn't thank Bill on their Twitter feed or anything like that. There was clearly who, 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 his replacement editor in chief. No, 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 not Chris. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> um, well, look, the point is that that Bill very clearly, obviously, was trying to damage. The, I don't think he had it out for those individuals. Well, either way, the point is Bill Simmons as a manager. He's he's not a good manager. He's not a good editor because you know he's he's a he's well. A he was, well, if everyone, if you're a boss. And people well, like what you're doing, like you're putting out a good product, and every one of your employees absolutely loves you. Aren't you a good manager? Well, no. Well, okay. He's a big ideas man. He's not a details man, right? Of course not. It's and like so, Omer Minaya. You need a you need a number two who knows how the rules work. Yeah, and he doesn't know how the rules work. And so, for example, his so Grantline would be. You know, I don't mind a mix of high culture and low culture. You know, one of my favorite magazines is New York Magazine for that reason because it's it doesn't have its head up its ass like the new yorker and it's not too highfalutin but right. it's also not it's also not a trashy entertainment weekly but it's got a nice mix of both um you know in, in a good balance so i can appreciate that the problem with grantland was that he, he would have these idiotic things going down you know deep into the weeds of these like fantasy like 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 you talk about like reality television to like some ridiculous extreme level and then also try and write serious articles about about transgender people in sports or whatever right. like, i mean that was obviously uh a different level because a person killed themselves over the article um I, I i think they're when they hit home runs they really did like the sumo wrestling article i don't know if you read that one or um things like that uh one, one of the problems was that their big home run hitter like i said wasn't really hitting home runs by the time Grantland was really off the ground. Um, they also like they were like Bill Barnwell. It, fa- it took him a little while to find his voice, but I, I think they found like an elite uh, Joe Flacco esque uh, football writer. Well, it'll be a Bill Barnwell is my favorite football writer. I don't know if they jo- found that Jonah with baseball. Carey. Well, Jonah, uh, Jonah, Jonah is good. I don't know for some reason. I just felt like he didn't put ben out Lin- enough ben- output. Maybe I don't know. Like, yeah, but him and Ben Lindbergh are two of my favorite baseball. They're writers. good. Uh, and Zach Lowe is incredible on basketball. Yeah, Zach, yeah exactly. I mean, so, the thing, know, those uh, guys are all phenomenal. Yeah, I don't know. A- Andy, if Andy Greenwald is one of my favorite. Uh, yeah, Andrew Greenwald was great. I don't know if they had enough. Um, it was a little too cool for school in the fact that, like, they also had, like, um, a lot of people, because they were sports mixed with pop culture, a lot of times they would have pop culture people talking about sports and they'd really be exposed like oh like Re- like rembert rembert knows nothing, nothing about sports like literally yeah. nothing about sports but, but, but he would repeatedly had him talk about it it's right but then he would be at like bill's house with you know on like the march man the shows doing it and like and he could add stuff and he's a brilliant guy but you know literally every one of your friends knows more about sports than he does yeah look unpopular opinion alert i think rembert's a nice guy uh, nothing he's done has ever impressed me. Um, you know, he would write all the stuff on that site that I. But are we too? Are we too old, baby, to like appreciate some of the stuff he's doing? I don't know. Well, I mean, he did. Okay, he wrote that article when he went to interview the president, which was you know that was good. But that was a very again, good article. Yeah, but that's just because he got to interview the president, you know, because he had the connections through ESPN. You know, I don't know. I also I, like you know he got this big job at New York Times now, and I, or New York Magazine, excuse me, and I wish him the best. But you know, right? And also, but a lot of it was like. A lot of the ethos of it was like we know a lot, we know a little about a lot, kind of. Instead yeah. of like, yes, there's Zach Lowe who knows his his thing, and Andy Greenwald who knows his thing, you know, as well as anybody on Earth. But then there was like, you know, I'm a big Survivor fan, so then you'd have you know, uh, uh, J- Jacoby and Juliet Littman talking about Survivor, and like literally, uh, you know, like with opinions, like it's as if they didn't watch the show. You know yeah, what I mean? And I'm sure they did with annoyed by it. Yeah. I'm sure they did it with other, with with you know whatever shows they also talk. It was like it's like we know we're a C minus on everything. Uh, but everything that's nitpicking. Like 
it was a good site, and ESPN's put. But it also, it provided it. it provided it provided a a resource for good writers to come. They'd have outside writers come and provide great pieces. You know, J.P. Abrams, who was a staff writer, you know, he would drop just fantastic long pieces from time. Right. I mean, the one thing that like they kind of they kind of like it started, and Klosterman and Gladwell were involved. And obviously that would have been like a little bit of a game changer because to me that, you know, that was like it started as like, it, you know, nobody knew who Bill Barnwell was yet. I don't even think he was involved. And, it you know, it was like it's Simmons, Klosterman and Gladwell. This is like the greatest thing that ever happened. And, you know, Gladwell only wrote a couple pieces for them. I think Klosterman uh, would come on the podcast, but I, I think he was no longer involved. After. He wrote blog posts from time to time, but not that yeah, much. Yeah. So I, whatever. The, the point is, it is like a big hole in the Internet that needs to be filled because, you, you know, you do need that stuff, but maybe nobody's paying for it. I don't know. Um, yeah. So how did we get on this tangent with Grantland? I have no idea. <laughs> what coach are we up um, to? Now we got to go rapid fire through the coaches. Yeah. Well, we're, I think what we're going to do is we'll do the first half of the coaches and we'll do the second half next week's podcast. Okay, fine. Perfect. perfect. Unless we can do two pods this week. What do you think of that idea? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if, uh, if three people email and say they want us to do two pods, we'll do two pods. All right. Okay. We need three people. Um, also, we need to find time to do that. But do you have any any? And while we're on tangent, uh, like tangent, whatever. Do you, do you have any uh, NBA opinions you want to talk about? Do I have any NBA opinions? Yeah, from well, the first I'm, few I'm days very, of games, because well, I've have like I, five different Timberwolves on my fantasy team. So, well, I'm very excited about the uh, you know how the uh, Timberwolves have started their. Season, yeah, we, we need. I need Gorgie Dang to play a few more minutes, though. The, well, the, the thing is, he's you know he's obviously. And, and it's unfortunate because he he's he's a ten rebound ten point a game guy. Yeah, but he's just and two blocks. He, yeah, well, he's not a very good defensive player other than the numbers. Uh, and and obviously Carl Anthony. I mean, this team also don't forget this team. You know, has um, Nick Pekovic, who hasn't even played yet, who puts up you know sixteen and ten when he's healthy. Yeah. Uh, also, doesn't play much defense though. The thing is, Carl Anthony Towns is the future up front. So all these other guys are just going to fall by the wayside. So, you know, I'm not sure what you're going to get from statistically from Gorgon Day. Oh, Rubio, get- Rubio's numbers are going to be absurd this year as long as he stays healthy. Well, it, the question is, can he shoot, right? He's oh, never- no, we know he can't shoot. Well, he, he is literally, I mean, this is literally the fact that he is literally the worst shooter in NBA history. Yeah, no, he can't yeah. shoot. Yeah, like since 1955, since the advent of the shot clock era, nobody who has played as many minutes as him has been a worse shooter than him. He's literally the worst shooter in the history of the league. Yes. Again, since the shot clock era. So Although, I mean, Kobe has like five more games like he's doing. He'll probably fall behind <laughs> percentage. Wise. Yeah, um, but Rubio is all of a sudden shooting well. So if he can shoot well, that's a game changer. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I'm excited. You know, they they started 2-0, big surprise. Uh, you know, Bill Simmons actually on his podcast last week, he said, could they take the eight seed in the West, which is insane. I mean, it's wide open. It, it, it's, it, I, no, that's insane. It's but, not um, insane. But who, who's better than that? I mean, is that including well, I, Dallas in the seven or no? No, that's not including Dallas. Oh, so Phoenix, Dallas will so. take that spot over them. Yeah. Uh, look, I, well, they're not, I, they're not yeah. worse than Phoenix and Portland necessarily. Well, Phoenix won 41 games last year with everything going wrong. So uh, I still like, um, you know, I'm still rooting for them to win. I'm not at the stage where I've given up on the season yet. Obviously tonight they have their home opener. I'm excited to see, you know, the, the tribute to flip, uh, but um, yeah, I'm going to withhold NBA opinions until we see, you know, at least a couple weeks. All right, so let's games. get back to the coaches. Yeah, okay. So next on the list, for some ridiculous reason, is Todd Bowles. I had him at 15. I, I do think that. it's Bowles. I don't know why you keep calling yeah, him Yeah, sorry. Yeah, well, you probably want to call him Bowles after. So I, I have him 15, middle of the pack. You had him at 32 just because you're annoyed with what he did yesterday. Very annoyed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as long as we're going on tangents and you were ranting about his clock management, you know, it was a rough week for Minnesota coaches, not just the death of Flip Saunders, but Jerry Kill. And this is also for our super fan, uh, Robbie. Wait, Jerry Kill didn't die. You have to, like, put a comma yeah. in that sentence. 
Yeah, well, Jared Kill, I mean, it was a part of him died is what he said in his press conference. When he oh, walked man. off that practice field, a part of him died, and he broke down and cried, and then I cried watching him cry. Oh, my Very God. emotional. Uh, I, I, I'm actually an alum of the University you know what the, of You know what the Kansas City Royals guy, first base coach, would say about your crying? Oh, that I'm a rusty cunt and I need to put on a skirt? It's something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I need, um, what was I going to say? I'm actually a technically an alum of the University of Minnesota because of a program I did there once, uh, as is my father from the law school. Wait, so uh, if you I, take one class at a college, you're an alum? Well, no, no, no. I, I, I was in, to get into deep, uh, nerdy history, I was in a program in, a, in elementary school called Umpty Ump. The University of Minnesota Talented Youth Mathematics Program, oh my God. which was when they found they found the biggest nerds in eighth grade across the state of Minnesota. You're one of the biggest nerds in the biggest nerd state. Was Minnesota the top of the no, state? No, no, Vermont. <laughs> Vermont is the biggest nerd state. Um. Anyways, so yeah, so we would go take college. Uh, we go take college math classes in elementary school. Um. So this was hardcore nerdism. Oh. But anyways, so because of that, How, tech- were you with college kids? Are you in the class of college kids? I mean, it was it was on their campus in their class. Oh, because I would say like cause was, that would really psych somebody out. No, 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 it was no, no, it was it was no, it was only uh, it was only us the nerds, and then we but we had college professors and stuff. Uh, it was cool to go on a college campus. Actually, so now that we're talking about me and so in ninth grade, uh, I was in I went to school in Canada, and I took a math class where I was sort of I had a one on one class with the teacher because they decided I wasn't going to be in the ninth grade math class, but the teacher. The, o- the only she was teaching in ninth grade period in the period when ninth graders had the regular math class, which is when I had to take math. The head of the math department at my high school was teaching the 11th grade, like bottom of the class remedial math class. So they put me in the same classroom as the four big, basically biggest punks in the school in 11th grade. And it was the four of them and me, and she would sort of concurrently teach both. So she'd teach those four for a few minutes, then she'd give them problem sets to work on, and she'd come teach me for a few minutes. We go back and forth. But these were literally the biggest crackheads in the school. And so, for example, one of them, a kid named David, he would uh, he would randomly throughout the class for no particular reason say Chester five, and that meant I had to smash my head against the wall five times, or Chester three, Chester whatever. And if I didn't do it hard enough, by his estimation, he would come and do them for me. Wow, it's a different <laughs> so, era. Yeah, I was, yeah, I probably was suffering from some CTE, but um, you know, and I learned after the first couple of weeks that I better do it demonstrably hard myself because otherwise he would do it much harder. Yeah, and this was a school where all kinds of shenanigans could take place, obviously. Uh, but um, and this math teacher was, uh, she would say, "David, no, no," and uh, you know, but uh, <laughs> and then she'd say, "Why do you listen to him?" And I would say to her, "Well, because you're only with me forty minutes a day, and if I don't listen to him now, the rest of my day will get much worse." Um, yeah, so it might surprise you to discover that the biggest punks in 11th grade are not impressed by a 14 a, a year old freshman math nerd. Um, and then I never took math again after high school. So I wonder what happened there. But, anyways, yeah, so, so the point is I'm technically an alum of the University of Minnesota and I, and I do root for them. And um, Jerry Kill retired and they replaced him with Tracy Clay as the interim coach. And we played Michigan, big rival. My wife went to Michigan, her father, grandfather the, went to What's Michigan. it called? The Paul Bunyan Bowl or something stupid? No, no. <laughs> No, they, 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 well, okay. So the Gophers, you know, now I'm going to have to get on my little Gophers high horse. The Gophers play for four of, I think like the seven longest existing trophies in, in college football. Right. And so with Michigan, they play for the Brown jug it's called, which is the longest existing trophy in college football. Uh, and the Brown jug is also the name of a popular bar on the Michigan campus. Um, for that reason. Uh, and look, the, the Michigan Minnesota rivalry has been one sided for the last 40 years. Michigan wins just about every year, but last year we won in Ann Arbor. This year, the game was Saturday night. So I could watch the whole game. There was no issue with the Sabbath. Um, and there's all the emotion because of Jerry kill and they totally dominated the game. I think they outgained by like 180 yards at the end of the first half. We're losing 14 to 13 
a minute to go. We have the ball in the red zone. And the coach intentionally runs the clock down until two seconds left and kicks a field goal to go up 16-14 at halftime, as if the game was ending at halftime. Like, you don't get brownie points for winning at the half. He didn't even try and score a touchdown at all. So that was bad enough. But then in the second half, and, uh, you know, I'm sure you saw the highlights of this, uh, with, you know, about 30 seconds to go in the game, they throw a touchdown to take the lead. Uh, they were down 29-26, and they throw a touchdown to take the lead and presumably win the game. And then on review, they say that he's actually down at the inch-yard line. So now they're at the inch-yard line. They have one timeout to go. And once they set the ball after the review, you know, there's a timeout for the review. But once they set the ball, the clock's going to start running again because, you know, because he was tackled inside the field, they said. So they put the ball down on the field. And then the Gophers come up to the line. And instead of snapping the ball and throwing it or running it or doing anything, and then if you run it, you can call a timeout, they go to the line and they take 19 seconds. They waste time just, you know, reformations and and, and trying to bark as if they're trying to get Michigan off. It made no sense. They run the clock all the way down, and then they finally snapped the ball two seconds to go, and then they had an incomplete pass. And now with two seconds to go, they ran it up the middle. Instead of kicking the field goal for overtime, they went for the touchdown. They got stuffed. They lost the game. And after the game, Tracy Clays said, oh, yeah, it was a mismanagement of the clock. I didn't know what was going on. And then the quarterback said, yeah, I didn't realize the clock was running there. So and you were complaining about Todd Bowles not knowing how to manage the clock. Uh, the, the Gophers interim coach was even worse. So that's my rant there. It was just a disaster. It was an embarrassment. Um you know, I don't fault them for going for it, uh, you know, with the game on the line there from the inch yard line, but they should have had four plays to do it in if they didn't, you know, mismanage the clock so badly. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, sorry. So, yeah. So, Todd Bowles, I, I think he's okay. Uh, you hate him because you're mad at the Jets. I mean, I, I just know that, or like, it's a shame because, like, I don't know if he's a good coach or bad coach yet. It's it's only seven games, but I know he has no clue in clock management, and that's not going to change. And so, it's a little depressing. But yeah, look, and, Andy Reid's been a good, good coach for 15 years without clock. Yeah, I, they could they could still win some games. Let's go to yeah. let's go to the next coach. Okay, so the next guy on the list is Jeff Fisher. You know, he's in that same category, frankly, for me is Lovey and Marvin Lewis. He's you know he can get you at eight and eight every year. St. Louis has you know one of the best games of the week this week. Actually, I think we'll get to that in a minute. Um, you know, there's not much more to say about Jeff Jeff Fisher after 15 years, right? No, of course not. Uh, yeah, it's in a worse year of coaches, he'd be a little higher up because I feel like he is the average. It's like the average is, you know, value over replacement Fisher or something. But uh, yeah, he's he, he'll, yeah. again, he'll get a bad team to seven and nine, which is a lot better than the coaches we've discussed so far, I could say. Yeah, so I, I have him in my summer redeeming qualities category. I don't have him in my average category just because. You know, his teams, his teams have been below average most years. You know, they've been under 500 year after year. Uh, we joke about how they're always 8-8, but they're actually below 8-8 usually. Um, all right, next, and now we're deep into the average category. These are all average coaches. Mike McCoy uh, for the Chargers. Yeah, uh, I mean, down- to me, McCoy, like, he might be a really bad coach just because I feel like they're so squandering Rivers Prime, it's scary. Well, Rivers Prime is over. We, I mean, River's, River's been looked, great. River's been well, great this year. Oh, he's been good this year. But yeah, River's looked like he was done two or three years ago. So, yeah. it, it, you know, his problem is that... So you know, maybe maybe there's not enough talent. If River, if you're saying Rivers yeah. isn't a top QB, well, which I, I, I think well, he is. Well, Keenan Allen is now out, as we said, because of his kidneys. All right, so but like, wh- I feel like he hasn't shown us anything that Norv didn't show us, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't I don't know what to say about Mike McCoy. That's why I have him in the average category. Next yeah. is Rex Ryan. We've spoken a lot about him. Jets yeah, I mean, it's you could judge a lot by like you know what what the Jets look like without him. You know, offensively they look better. Um, you know, they, uh, they turn the, they're getting a lot more turnovers. Uh, I don't. I mean, he definitely is one of the thirty two best coaches and deserves a job in the league. But I, I feel bad for Rex because he's never had a, a league average quarterback. Even he's never even had like a Ryan Fitzpatrick. So 
Well, so let's talk about this game now this week, Miami and Buffalo. As we said, it's it's definitely a must win for Miami, probably for Buffalo as well. Because uh, if they fall to three and five and last in the division, it's going to be hard for them to climb out of that hole. Uh, it's in Buffalo. Tyrod Taylor should be back. I think Buffalo is going to win. What do you have? Uh, yeah, I think Miami's going to win this game. I really like Miami. Uh, I think uh, the fact they're getting killed by a potentially transcendent Patriots team doesn't mean that they're not in good. So I'm going to pick Miami. Yeah, and by the way, we should note last week in our picks, uh, I went eleven and two, and I have Carolina tonight, and you went nine and four, and you also have Carolina tonight. Mm-hmm. So I, I won again last week. Um, and you continue to pick these road uh, dogs, and we'll see if you have some more success. I've been picking week. road dogs to win. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and Jets, Jacksonville. Uh, the Jets can win that one, obviously, right? No, I mean the, the Jets QB might not even be on the roster. They're talking about Fitzpatrick's injured, probably shouldn't be playing, even though he might play. Right. Geno's well, the injured. Je- then Bryce Petty's not good. He's not ready yet. He's a rookie. They're talking about maybe bring Matt Flynn off the street and starting him if the two quarter if the two other quarterbacks aren't healthy. So this could be. Uh, and again, and if the they defense. don't have Nick Ivory Bangle, and the defense should be enough to beat one of the Ivory has had two straight horrendous games. He was like 15 carries, 17 yards this past week. Uh, Pro Football Focus actually uh, rated him as above average, which just shows you how quickly he was being hit. Um, I do think that uh, if they don't have Mangold or they only have like a 60% Mangold, they've shown for five years that he doesn't miss a lot of games. But when he does miss, they're just totally hopeless, the Jets. So are you picking Jacksonville to win this game? I, there's no reason to pick this game with the Jets quarterback situation, but I would say now if I had to pick it today, I'd have to pick the Jaguars because I mean, the Jets could have a fourth string ty- quarterback getting snaps from a second string center wh- who was on the, the, you know, any team in the league could have had, uh, you know, three days ago cause he was on the practice squad and he was a, he's a guard on the practice squad. He's not even the center. And, the and you know they're they're so injured they're missing three of their four safeties that they were playing going to the year with that they had that they had a backup cornerback who got cup as a cornerback for the Texans last year starting at safety and he missed six tackles against the uh against the Raiders so uh, they just have a lot of holes right now so uh, if Mangold is healthy and Fitzpatrick is playing then you could talk about the Jets but I'm definitely picking the Jaguars right now all right, next on our coaching power rankings at number 19 is Jason Garrett. The Cowboys continue. And this might be harsh. I think people might think this is harsh. And I had him a lot uh, harder than you did. You have him at 16. I have him at 21. So I, the the knock against category. Garrett is well, that what, they have an obscene amount of talent. Like, obviously, they, they shouldn't be winning without Romo, and they're not winning without Romo. But, like, when Romo comes back, this team has an absurd amount of talent. They're, like, ludicrously loaded at O-line. The knock against Garrett is that every year they find a way to lose at the end of the season and yeah. finish 8-8, eight eight, you know. Yeah, but they the didn't. I mean, until last year, they didn't really have a good team. I mean, now they figured out the O line and the defense, and you know you have to give him some of the credit for that. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I've you know he he to me he's average. He's you know uh, he's not. I, it's make weird. He's like team. the Giants of coaches. Like he could they could win or lose any game they're in. Like you know, look at the playoff games last year. I think Detroit, I Green think Bay. because the Cowboys are always on TV and Jason Garrett is always on TV, he gets a little bit extra credit. And also because for some reason Tony Romo. Well, we see him coach more than any other coach in the league. Except yeah, maybe basically. Yeah, but also, but Tony Romo gets the blame there, not Garrett, for some reason. I get, I get like abnormally excited about the flex out games. You know, we had our first flex game in like a couple years today. Which one was that? I think the flexed out week eleven was San Diego, Kansas City, and flexed in was Cincy, Arizona. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. 
I mean, San Diego, Kansas City, like I, I watch on Game Pass and a lot of times it, if the Jets aren't playing, I'll do three games plus red zone out of like the eight or nine games going on. San Diego, Kansas City doesn't even like get a like, oh, one of these games at halftime. Let me switch one of the games like it's never getting on one of my screens. Um, you know, I, but I had Minnesota and Chicago on for you this weekend. Oh, I had, uh, we'll get to that one. We'll get to that one in a few minutes. You know, I, all right. And I, I was switching back and forth between that and Tampa Atlanta with, with, as you know, you had to have, the, you had to have the giant Saints game on the whole time and, and the Steelers Bengals. All right. So, you know, we're going to have to wrap this podcast up quickly. So we're, we're just going to do two more coaches. Then we'll do the top half next week. Uh, next one on the list is Marvin Lewis. I actually have him in the tier, tier six, but I have him at 22. You have him all up at 14. Which surprises me, considering that you talked in the preseason endlessly about how he needs to be fired, uh, that you have him at 14. Uh, you know, he's never won a playoff game. They're, 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 they've been good this year. They're 7-0. Nobody else behind him has accomplished enough. And yeah, I could you could talk about, hey, move Garrett over him or move uh, well, Je- Jeff, Ron, Jeff I mean, Ron Rivera. Make, you know, he's, make, he's, the, he's the AFC version of Jeff Fisher. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, he's doing a lot right now, but with so much talent. They're just swimming in talent on yeah. both sides of the ball. They're seven and zero, but um, you know, let's see what they actually do this season. Okay, and then um, finally in our top half, Jack Del Rio. I had him at twenty. You have him at fifteen. I think you're just too influenced by yesterday's game. We've seen no, a I lot don't of think Jack- so because I we was saw looking- him at Jacksonville. He's- yeah, but let me ask you a question now because I said, oh, he was horrible in Jacksonville. His career record's not any good. But now that we've seen eighteen coaches go into Jacksonville, listen to his records in Jacksonville: five and eleven. Nine and seven, twelve and four, eight and eight, eleven and five, five and eleven, seven and nine, eight and eight, and then he got fired at three and eight. That is substantially better than anybody's done since then. Well, what do you mean? It doesn't matter what somebody. Okay, and Tom Coughlin before that had a better. Like I don't care what a guy did ten years. You can't say because po- the team's not good now. What a guy who did 10 is years ago who there. is he winning with? Who is he going five hundred with in 09 and two thousand ten? David Garrard was a very good quarterback. I mean, David Garrard literally couldn't move. Well, I mean, he was a good quarterback, though. I think he had like twenty touchdowns and three picks one year. I mean, Gerard had they, they, have, a, they two have good they seasons. Have, they had Fred Taylor and Maurice Jones drew two borderline Hall of Fame running backs. They had, you know, they had. A, I don't know if this was that era, Jimmy Smith and Keenan McCardell. I mean, they've had a lot of weapons on offense. That's probably going back to the Coughlin era. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, J- Jack Del Rio is a- as average a coach as you can be, which is why I have him twenty, right in the middle of the average gra- crowd. You have him. Some of the guys you have him above, who we'll get to later. You have him above Ron Rivera, Andy Reid. Yeah, um, I mean, I, regret, I think Rivera. I was hard on Ron Rivera. I, I think yeah, you have moved you, Riverboat. You have him above Mike Zimmer. You know, Mike Zimmer's only been a coach for two years, but that didn't. And you were pretty low on most of the new guys. Although Dan Quinn, you had in the top ten. Uh, you know, Zimmer has the same record as Quinn this year. So uh, you know, and, and Zimmer has. Uh, you know how we talked a couple weeks ago about how like the Falcons, every game on their schedule they could win. Yeah, and they I still think, lose. I think they're going to lose every game on their schedule. Now. Yeah, but every still, team is but every team is looking favored. at Atlanta, and every team is looking at Atlanta like, "Oh, sweet, we got the Falcons this week." Yeah, but what we said again, we didn't say they were going to win. We said they're going to be favored in every game. Yeah, they still true. are. Oh yeah, they. Will. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're still. You know, I mean, if they continue to lose, maybe they will be a home dog. I guess to Carolina or Minnesota, maybe I don't know. But you know, for now, it seems like they'll be at least one or two point favorites in every game. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so that that so that wraps up our first half of coaches. And uh, let's just quickly run through the rest of this week's games. And, um, you know, we'll do the, the next half of the coaches probably next week's podcast unless we get a heavy demand for another podcast later this week. Uh, so Cleveland at Cincinnati. Uh, we talked about both of these coaches. Cincinnati's obviously going to win, right? Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that game against Pittsburgh, Andy Dalton threw a couple of picks. It looked like we had bad Andy again. Um, you know, 
the, 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 the fact that Le'Veon Bell went down, I don't think had a big impact on the game. First of all, D'Angelo Williams is still pretty good. And Ben still had a lot of weapons, but Ben threw three interceptions himself. So Cincinnati has locked up that division now. Um, you know, we yeah. talked about how if Pittsburgh won that game, that division would be wide open. But if the, the Steelers are still frightening without Bell, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll get to the Steelers in a second. Um, but, um, you know, Cleveland, they, they, they were up big early. And, um, for those of us who bet against them, uh, it, it looked like uh, we were going to be painfully wrong. But then, of course, uh, they, they blew that game badly in the second half and they lost. Um, all right. Next game we have is a uh, Green Bay at Carolina. Uh, this was a game where you were way off on the line. You were really influenced by last night. I mean, we were saying that the Packers were so much better than Denver. I actually picked Denver to win last night, but you picked Green Bay to yeah, win. Yeah, but then I, they got killed, so then I'm admitting yeah. I was wrong. Aaron Rodgers threw for 77 yards. But now, but now you have you had Carolina favored against Green Bay. I mean, Carolina, granted, they're undefeated, but they beat nobody except for Seattle. Who? But, I know, also barely- thought, but I'm also guessing what everyone else thinks. It's not what I think. Yeah, but if Green Bay was favored in Denver, why would they not be favored in Carolina? Because Green Bay passed for 50 total yards against Yeah, them. I mean, that was a disaster, um, you know, uh, especially for those Again, of us. I can't say I, I, I watched the game because I was watching the, the – uh, Yeah, well, so you didn't see any of this game. Yeah, I was watching no. this game and just watching the Mets game periodically. Um, I actually had both on DVR so that I could, you know, do during commercials. I could rewind and see what I missed. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers just had no time whatsoever. Those receivers – and even when he did have time because he buys himself a lot of time. The receivers would just be covered for six, seven, eight seconds at a time. Denver's defense is really, really good. We were saying how DVOA had the Broncos as one of the worst six and zero teams ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I, that's got to go up after this week. The Broncos they they, they barely won. A, look, they 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 were they had a lot of luck to win uh, against the Vikings and to win against the Chiefs and to win against the Browns, but um, they d- destroyed Green Bay. And so uh, in my power rankings. I, uh, I I put Denver up to four this week, and I put Green Bay down to five. And we'll see what happens next week because they have Carolina, who at the moment is undefeated and probably is going to beat Indy this week. So Green Bay at Carolina is just going to be a fantastic game for 1 p.m. slot. Oh, yeah, that's a great 1 o'clock game, no question. Yeah, I'm picking the Packers. I think there was a lot of, uh, you know, I think Rodgers gets off the schneid. And, and also, you know. Uh, yeah, how many here. points can Carolina score against Green Bay, to be fair? Well, Denver Denver had the worst offense in the league in DVOA, and they put up 29. Yeah, but right? I, to me, Denver has a better offense and, and far more weapons than Carolina has. Yeah. Um, you know, Payne is still like the worst quarterback in the league this year, even though he had 300 yards and he had a good game yesterday. Um, so I, I have Green Bay winning this game in Carolina. What about you? Um, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to I'm picking Green Bay to win the game. All right, so you're still on the Green Bay bandwagon, uh, but that's one. Yeah, I think there's seven really good games this week, and uh, that's that's the first of the seven. Washington at New England. Uh, New England's going to win. Nothing. We don't need to talk about this one. Washington's coming off a bye, but um, you know they're okay, but they're they're not going to stay close to New England. No, of course not. Yeah, although the line is fourteen, I, I think Washington. I was way off. I think I said ten and a half, but uh, fourteen yeah. is very high. Yeah, I got this one on the nose. I, I um, Akiva, I beat you this week twelve to one in guessing the spreads. Um, what I does think that mean? Twelve my, to one in guessing the spreads. I won twelve games. You won one. Oh, okay. Oh, you, I was only closer on one. It's funny because I thought this week I was more on the ball than previous weeks. Uh, you were you were collectively twenty seven and a half points off. Um, oh my god! Just, I, 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 which is not bad. I mean, it average it's average of about two points off per game. But I, I, I have to start points. cheating like Sal says Simmons does. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I had one of my best weeks ever. Uh, you know, as I was five points off on the Jets game when I didn't even realize they didn't have a quarterback, so that's why I had him favored by seven and a half. Um, I had no idea that Fitzpatrick wasn't playing. Uh, other than that, I was I had five points off total for the other twelve games. So yeah, so it, it was a tough week to to, to beat me. Um, Tennessee at New Orleans. 
Tennessee is still one of the worst teams in the league in New Orleans. All of a sudden, I mean, they have no defense, but it doesn't really matter against Zach Mettenberger. And Drew Brees, 500 yards and seven touchdowns. Looks like Drew Brees is back. They've won three games in a row. You know, yeah. they, and, and they beat decent teams. They beat, they, they won in Indy. They beat the Giants. They beat yeah, the they're Dolphins. frisky. They're frisky. Yeah, well, they're definitely going to be Tennessee this weekend and climb back into the playoff race, right? Uh, Tennessee is just just beyond horrible. I mean, yeah. we talked about all these coaches. Like, who could still get fired during the season? That's Wisenhunt. Yeah, well, but it'd be... And, it'd Caldwell, be t- and Caldwell. Caldwell is a definite... Wisenhunt would be hard to fire mid-season. The thing is, they already fired, like, the coordinator. Like, at a certain point, you just, like, don't even have a staff anymore. Are you talking about Detroit? Yeah. Well, I think the reason that Detroit, that, you know, they called on, did Caldwell have a say in that or was that the front office that did that? Oh, I'm not sure. And now we have another, you know, possible game of the week, St. Louis at Minnesota. A lot riding on this game for me, for you. We've had some bets involved here. Vegas is saying that these two teams are What's pretty What's our bet and where are we at right now? We made the bet week four on more wins for the Vikings or St. Louis. I mean, this is like a death match for the sixth seed in the, in the playoffs. Yeah, they've all, so they're both three and one. So, this so I could have, end up losing this bet and still being right about how good the Rams are. Well, I think the 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 Rams are okay. You know, they, they the, 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 the thing what is, is the, these two teams both get the the playoff spots, and Seattle yes. misses it. Well, not just Seattle, but that also means that Atlanta would have. Oh, to Atlanta, who lost to the Bucks yesterday, I I can imagine that. Well, the Vikings are playing in Atlanta, so if they win that game, they get the. Uh, right now, I have the Vikings losing a ten and six, the tiebreaker to Atlanta for the sixth seed. But you have them I, winning this game. I have them winning this game, but I have them losing at Atlanta, and oh. that's why Atlanta. But if they beat Atlanta, then they'd be ahead of Atlanta. Yeah. Um, look, St. Louis, Todd Gurley, all of a sudden is the best running back in the NFL, and their defense is really good. Uh, but you know, I still don't trust Nick Foles. Who are their receivers? You know, Tavon Austin can have a fluke play once in a while, but he's not a reliable you know receiver down the field. And, and the Vikings, you know, as it's funny because when I said a few weeks ago that I thought the Vikings could win the division or, or, or could compete for the division. You said that was the craziest thing you'd ever heard in your life, uh, except you said it, uh, it more demonstratively. Uh, all week in Minnesota, what they've been saying is they've just been lamenting endlessly that stupid loss in week one, because if not for that, we would be in first place in the division right now. The, the Vikings are, are, are five and two. They're six and one against the spread. They played their worst game of the year or the worst game since week one yesterday. Uh, I mean, they just looked abysmal. They had no pass rush, which has been, you know, a strength of the team. Uh, and I feel like I have less of a feel on how good the Bears are than any team in the league. Like, were the Bears competent and that was just like well, a fair? Well, well, the Bears are competent. The Bears are okay. You know, they're better than, you know, like the teams in the AFC South. Mm-hmm. But but the Bears are a bad team and the Vikings just play badly. Bridgewater had his worst game since week one. And then in the last three minutes, all of a sudden he turns it on. You know, they, Is Bridgewater they, terrible? I'm telling you, everyone's turning on Bridgewater. I know, but his QBR, again, he's top 10 in the league in QBR. And look what he did in the last two minutes. You know, look, Bridgewater, they were down 20 to 13 with two minutes to go in the game. And he got them down for a touchdown in like four plays. Then the defense held him to three and out, and then he got him down a field range of two plays, and they won the game. So, um, you know, a, a little bit of that was breakdown by the Bears' defense. But Stephon Diggs is all of a sudden one of the ten best court receivers in the NFL. I mean, he's just ten incredible. best. I mean, you don't think it's Diggs and Julio Jones? That's it. Oh, I thought, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying for fantasy. I'm saying in terms, as a receiver. He's I'm just, joking. He's, I'm joking. No, but he's yeah. very good. He's he's very very good. Um, Bridgewater again. Bridgewater has struggled. The offensive line just still hasn't been good. But they finally they ran the ball well uh, yesterday. They just Bridgewater was really really off. Um, so he's had two, he's had two and a half bad games. He's had you know four and a half good games. And um, for what they need from him, you know his his quarterback rate. He's his interceptions are a little bit of a concern. He's throwing almost one a game. Um, and, and yesterday he, he was very inaccurate, which is supposed to be his strength because, you know, he doesn't have a big arm, but he's supposed to be very accurate. Uh, we'll see this week because with no offensive line, they're going to get pressured a lot against St. Louis. 
Uh, and if they win this game, they'll go up to six and two. So th- th- this is a really, really big game for the Vikings and for the Rams. And as you said, I think the winner uh, really has a uh, lead on a playoff spot. So who do you have winning this game in Minnesota? Ah, uh, the Vikings. Oh, wow. He's abandoning his bet. All right. No, I just, now- I mean, it's, it's such an even matchup here that I'll take the home team. Yeah. I, I, th- I think, I think it'll be close. You know, the, the Vikings, the, the Vikings, um, well, we've discussed this game enough. Let's get to Oakland at Pittsburgh. This is like the longest podcast ever. Um, and we still have a bunch to do. Oakland at Pittsburgh. As we said, bell down. But Pitt, Pitt, look, Pittsburgh was the healthiest team in football last year. They've had some injury regression this year. Um, Oakland and Pittsburgh, all of a sudden, the winner of this game is in the lead for the wild card spot, well, along with the Jets, probably, right? The Jets aren't winning any wild card without a quarterback. Let's, all right, okay, let's see let's if the Jets are. Okay, let's not talk about the Jets. Let's talk about Oakland and Pittsburgh. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Derek Carr, one of the these are these are the two wild card here. teams. These just say it. these are the two wild card teams. I, I don't think Oakland's going to make the wild card. I mean, um, they, who, Miami. Because well, what has Oakland done to impress you? The fact that they beat the Jets. Okay, wow. What what other game do they have in the schedule this year that's impressed you? All right, the fact they that, that they, they played a very good game against Denver. Everybody has. So is Cleveland. So is Minnesota. So is Kansas City. You know, the only team that, that Denver did it, the only team, it's sort of Baltimore. The only team that Denver beat by more than a, one score this year was the Packers. So, okay. Next. They have maybe the best player uh, on the defensive side of the ball right now in Khalil Mack. Their, their, what's called pass rush is ferocious. The Jets had allowed, I think, six acts all year coming to yesterday, and they were getting pressure uh, every play. They, um, they have a couple suspect players in the secondary i mean the redskins cut a cornerback because he was terrible and he's starting for the raiders that's not a great thing woodson's playing at a very high level at safety on the offensive side of the ball they have an above average running back in murray they have a sensational pair of receivers in in cooper and crabtree at this point and Carr has turned it on the answer to your question oh, is car's been really car's yeah. been really good so if car is good then this is a team that has you know, what we call like two, the two to 53 talent of a playoff team. So if you have a quarterback who's not turning the ball over and is flinging bombs, you know, over like legitimate NFL cornerbacks for touchdowns, then this, this team's going to be in the playoffs. And you look at their schedule, this, like this is the it's same a tough two, two game them. road right now with, with Pittsburgh and Minnesota. But after that, you know, Detroit, Tennessee, Kansas City, they're going to, you know, they'll be right back, uh, you know, a couple games over 500, even if they lose these two. Well, look, okay, they're playing at Pittsburgh this week, and then they're playing at home against Minnesota. Their schedule is tough they, because they, 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 have they have Pittsburgh, yeah. Minnesota, Denver, look at and December. Green Bay left. But they look, also have two games Dece- against the Chiefs. They have two games against the Chiefs left, Hold on. Too. Yeah, but the Chiefs look good all of a sudden. The Chiefs are 3-5, and five, and they've had one of the hardest schedules in the league, right? They just won by mm-hmm. five touchdowns yesterday. Um, I'm looking at Oakland's schedule right now. In December, it's brutal. It they is a tough Kansas, schedule. They play Kansas City twice. They play Denver Green Bay, San Diego. So what they have to do is, as a minimum, they have to win one of the next two weeks, and then they have to beat Detroit and Tennessee. If they do that, then they'd be seven and four. And then, you know, they have a chance if they can sneak out one or two wins uh, in December. But, um, you know, either Minnesota next week or Pittsburgh this week, they have to win one of those games. Uh, because thus far, look, they had a big win against the Jets, but they, they haven't done anything that really impressed me. They lost to the Bears. You know, they got killed by Cincinnati at home. Uh, you know, they beat San Diego, but everybody's beating San Diego. So let's see. And they beat Baltimore, but everybody's beating Baltimore. So, you know, o- o- Oakland, they're not a garbage team. They're, they're a competitive team. They're an average team. To me, they're not more than that. But maybe I'll be wrong. So do you have them beating Pittsburgh this week? Uh, this game is in Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. No, I don't have them beating Pittsburgh. Yeah. Ben will be back, you know, at full force. He, uh, or are you friends with him too? 
No, but you just can't say Roethlisberger. It's too long of a name. I, I hate the first name thing, but I'll do it for him because because Roethlisberger is a hard name to say. Um, you know, I used to do the same thing with Doug Mankiewicz and AJ Przinsky, not because I was friends with them. When you All when right. you apply to ESPN, the, the test is they make you spell. Yeah. Roth, back then it was Roethlisberger, Minkiewicz, which she was on the Mets, but I still can't yeah. spell it. The, the only guy Wayne who Wade. I can never spell is Shashevsky. I'm very good at names, but I've never. Oh yeah, because there's no trick there. It's it's just yeah. like a mess. Wally Zerbiak, I always knew how to spell. Yeah, but I can never spell Shashevsky. All right, all right, next game: uh, Giants at Tampa Bay. You know the Giants, all offense, no defense. Um, I mean, you know that that was a great game by their offense. Their defense is abysmal. Tampa Bay, as we said, Jameis Winston hasn't turned the ball over in three days, three games. We're going to have to bring back yeah, Kyle, our, our Bucks fan. We're going to have to apologize to Kyle, our Bucks fan. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pick Tampa Bay to win this game. I, I really like what they're doing right now. I think that they have a chance to sneak up into like 7-9, and 8-8 and eight range this year. The Bucks? Yeah. Yeah, Let's. maybe we should have moved Lovey up on the list. Well, all right. Well, so what do you have? Uh, Giants at Tampa. Give us a winner. Oh, boy. The Giants. I mean, they could score at will, so the Giants. Well, I mean, this week they did, but the previous couple weeks they weren't that good um, offensively. I mean, they weren't that good against the Cowboys the previous week, although the Cowboys' defense might be improved. All right, uh, next game, Atlanta at San Francisco. This is just, Ugh, hold your nose. Atlanta will finally get a win, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, San Francisco's giving up on the season. Yeah. All right, Denver at Indy. So this is another good game. You know, Indy's been so bad, and Denver's undefeated. But Indy's beat Denver every game since since Peyton uh, you know moved over to Denver, and this is a game where I think they get up. You know they, they were up for the Patriots game and they ended up losing that one. But um, I, I actually think that uh, the Colts are going to win this game. I do think the Colts, um, even though they should, and, and we're saying this before we've seen tonight, they might lay another egg. I mean, how how bad though? Like if they're that bad? Well, they, I told you in, in my power rankings, I now have the four AFC South teams as the four worst teams. The four as in the AFC. In the AFC, I, I would have the Colts in a neutral field as underdogs against every team in the AFC West. Against Buffalo and, and San Diego. Against Buffalo, San Diego, Baltimore, absolutely. Well, oh, since Baltimore is Baltimore, they're fine. Well, since San Diego's only one game worse, they're, they've won two and Indy's won three. Mm-hmm. But you know, but they you know they've had a tougher schedule. Um, they haven't been getting blown out the way the Colts have. Buffalo already beat the Colts badly, but I think they're going to win against Denver. I just think that uh, I believe in the intangibles in this game, and, and I think that uh, this is where the uh, Broncos lose their first game of the year. I'm going to pick Denver just because they were so good this week. Yeah, their defense was very impressive, and they ran the ball also. They've been running the ball pretty well the last couple weeks, vastly improved from the beginning of the season. Peyton Manning still uh, you know, throwing more interceptions and touchdowns, though. All right, then we get to Sunday night, Philly at Dallas. Did you see the uh, end of the Cowboys-Seahawks game? Yeah. Yeah, I watched once the Jet game ended. I watched it. Uh, that last, so that was drive, the third play of the third play of the Jet game. I started watching. Yeah, no, no, no that, yeah, yeah. That last drive, those four plays were the by Matt Castle was the worst quarterbacking I've ever well, seen. Well, I mean, life. I said that we, you know, I, I don't think I was the only one that Whedon's better than Castle. Yeah, I mean, I watched an entire. Are they talking about going back to Whedon? I don't. I mean, how do you keep Castle after that game? He was comically bad i mean the refs were so confused that the refs were calling fumbles on these plays again ej Manuel's the worst quarterback in the nfl and he and he got the job over castle which means castle's the worst quarterback in the nfl i think the story that romo's gonna be ready the one that i think we discussed that on the pod last week right that romo yeah. might be wet ready a week earlier than they the, like that could become a big story this week well not if they keep losing yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, he really I, needs I, to get injured after game three. Their defense has been pretty good. Uh, you know, the Eagles will be coming off a bye. Pretty good. I mean, a lot of times when you have an inept quarterback, it just puts so much strain on your defense that they'll get like four or five stops. 
But then at some point late in the second quarter, early third quarter, like there'll be, you know, a pick six or they'll turn the ball over deep in their own territory and the dam will break. And then the other team will score a bunch of times and it'll be like 28-3. And you'll be like, well, our defense played really well, but we're down 28-3. To give up only 13 points to Seattle, uh, their defense is amazing, basically. I think Philly's going to win this game in Dallas. Yeah, of course. Dallas, Dallas of course, won, Philly's going to well, win the game in Dallas. Well, but Dallas, Dallas won in Philly without Romo earlier in the year. Dallas hasn't beaten anybody without Romo. Yeah, they won the game when Romo went down. Oh, he got hurt during the game. Well, yeah, but from that point forward, Dallas outscored Philly ten nothing. Yeah, game. yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, um, all right, Philly gets the revenge. Yeah. Um, all right, and, and then let's wrap up uh, this uh, uh, this week's games. Our predictions, at least, Chicago at San Diego. And said Chicago's passable. Uh, San Diego's a little better than that. San Diego and Baltimore played exactly the game we thought they would, and Baltimore won right at the end. San Diego's at home, but home field advantage doesn't exist for them. I still think that, you know, even though they're 2-6, and six, I don't think, and I said this last week, I, I predicted them to lose last week, and I still think that they're going to finish like 8-8 eight and eight and have a chance at a wild card, which Chicago doesn't have. So I think they have more to play for, even though Chicago has looked more competent the last couple of weeks. I'm going to pick uh, San Diego at home again, fully acknowledging they don't have home field advantage. At it's all, such a, but. it's such like, it, it actually might be an aesthetically good game. You know, they both might be able to score on each other, but it's such like a tricky game to pick. Well, this is a Bill Simmons punishment game, right? Why is this game on ESPN? At what point ever was this going to be a decent game? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. First of all, the bears are a big market team. Like there are much worse Monday night football games than this game. Uh, you know, first it has like a lot of fantasy value. I mean, they didn't know that Forte would be hurt, but like you have Rivers and Keenan Allen who's also hurt. <laughs> the ratings might end up being garbage, but uh, they were supposed to be good. Um, I, I'm going to pick the home team. I'll go with San Diego here, but I, I don't know. These two teams are the number one and two most confusing teams in the league to me right now. Yeah, we really rushed through the second half of this pod, but you know, I uh, I'm actually was this our longest podcast ever. Uh. I think in the preseason, we might have had a couple that, well, I don't know. I'd have to check. But yeah, well, we're at an hour and a half, and, and that's really rushing through the second half of games. We did not do them justice, so we apologize to our fans. I, I, I always think of that as fan, uh, yeah. quotation mark, S, and, you know, close quotation. <laughs> I, I meant parentheses. Sorry, I'm tired. Yeah. Uh, well, we had we had some good, um, you know, we had some good tangents in the top half of the podcast, and um, you know, we didn't even get to the rest of our coaches. So, you know, uh, including coach number sixteen on our list, which I think is silly that he's in the top half, considering the fact that he could get fired in midseason. Yeah. But uh, we will discuss that later in the week if our fans demand it, and if not, uh, we will be back next week. So, uh, you know, Akiva, feel better, uh, chin up. You know, you you won the pennant, only the second time you've ever seen that, right? And um, and your football team is uh, still above 500. So even with the worst coach in the league, in, in your opinion. Warning. Hot take approaching. Uh, the worst coach in the history of the league, I think I said. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> hot take. Whew. I'm going to I'm gonna have to bring back that hot take drop, which we haven't used in a while. Oh, I, see, I didn't know you were using it because I don't listen. So. I, assumed, I assumed you were still producing this podcast. Yeah. All right, Akiva. Talk to you later. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You could get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.